Um, I'm finding that as I get a little bit older, days go by a little bit faster. Maybe it's because we're just busier, we have more things to do. Um, I don't know. I, I was busy before, but it just seems like days or weeks go by like days, don't they? It's already another week. We're just around the corner from the Feast of Trumpets. Feels like we just had Pentecost a couple days ago. But uh, time flies. Look at the news, think there's a big deal, the big news event, and all of a sudden, in like three days, it's old news. Everyone forgot about it. Now it's the next news cycle. So we see these news cycles going on and on. Of course, we have our routines. Maybe our routines contribute to this kind of daily, uh, you know, days kind of blinking by us. My routine is I get up in the morning, I have coffee, get some breakfast, get the kids ready, go to work, go to meetings, check my email, delete some emails, go to more meetings, check my email, delete some emails, come home, maybe have a little bit of time with the kids, then we have dinner, then we get the kids ready, then we watch a little TV and go to sleep, and then start it all over again the next morning. Coffee, breakfast, work. Can any of you relate to that, where you get into this cycle every day and you're just kind of going through a routine, a ritual every single day? I think of in Genesis chapter 3, where God says, In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread till you return unto the ground. For out of it were you taken, for dust you are, and unto dust you shall return. It's kind of weird that the closer we get to having less days, the faster those days are going by. You wonder if maybe God could be merciful and as we get closer to those end days, he lets the days be longer and longer, but that's not what happens. seems like the older we get, the faster those days go by. We have these rituals, routines that we're in, and you wonder, are we getting anything accomplished? Is what we're doing in our routines worthwhile? Does it matter? Or are we just kind of going through and and checking off another day, and hey, we had another day, that's good, let's start the next one. So what are we really getting accomplished in these days as, as these days just fly by us? You know, life is finite. We only, I think today is what, September 12th? Is there ever going to be a September 12th, 2015 again? Once today's done, that's it. There will never be another September 12th, 2015. And unfortunately, maybe God knows, there's only so many days that I'm given in my life. I don't know how many more days I have. You never know, do you? I hope it's, you know, many, but you never know. The thing is, once this day's gone, that's one less day that I have to make a difference. So the question is, are we using these days? Are we taking advantage of every day? If you think about it, every single day we wake up out of that unconscious state, it's like what Annie says, the sun will come out tomorrow, it's a new day. Whatever happened yesterday is done, it's a new day today. How are we going to use it? I think of an expression that I heard a long time ago, and every once in a while in my life, I actually apply this, and it's made a difference in my life. 
It's a Latin expression. It's called carpe diem. Anyone ever know, hear that expression before? Carpe diem. You know what it means? Seize the day. Seize the day. So if you think about what that means, what does it mean to seize something? Well, the military will go seize a beach, seize a city. If the police want to arrest somebody, they have to go physically seize them. They usually don't come in on their own, do they? You have to take hold of it. You know, we are told to take hold of our salvation. So what I want to talk about is how to, as Christians, seize the day, especially when our days are going by so quickly. How can we make sure that we don't let days just slip on by us? Because we have work to do. God expects us to get something done in this life. And I wonder if the more we're getting done, maybe the more God wants to give us more days to get more stuff done. If we're not getting anything done, I don't know. I wonder about these things. Turn with me over to, uh, first of all, I want to talk about the definition of, of carpe diem. So what is this phrase, carpe diem? So Horace was a Greek author that lived before Christ. I think he wrote this uh, poem, Horace's Odes, 23 B.C. And in it, he talked about or this phrase, carpe diem. It was actually part of a bigger phrase. But the word carpe actually means to pick or to pluck. To pick or to pluck. To, to pluck the day. Almost like the day is this, this fruit that's ready to be plucked if someone would just go do it. If you'd take it. So carpe diem. Seize the day. To pluck the day. Days are full of opportunities, aren't they? Sometimes opportunities mask themselves in challenges or in trials. But every day has opportunities for us to grow and to learn and to make a difference. So how do we seize on them? Let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 3. I want to just uh, show where God wants to make a point with us about how important it is that we do this, that we don't let these days slip by us. So Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. The writer of Hebrews here, most people believe this is Paul who wrote this, but uh, still some question about it based on the different style of, of Hebrews versus some of Paul's writings, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, the author says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, for we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. So continue to hang on to our, our walk, our mission. It says, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice. The emphasis, brethren, is on today. 
That's what's before us. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the propagation, a call to action, some urgency around taking action when you can, seizing the moment. Turn with me over to James chapter 4 real quickly. Chapter, chapter 4 of James. Chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, James tells us. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God. So if you want to think about some of the things that we should be doing to seize the day, this is some of them. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. So you're not to stay heavy. You're not to continue to mourn. The point is to be humble and God will lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law but a judge. So the idea here is that we don't want to be judges of the law. We want to be doers. Doers. Not just knowers. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you, the judges one another? Go to now. So again, some urgency here. Go to now, you that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. In other words, it's implying procrastination. You know, today or tomorrow, we'll get to it. The author here, James, saying, do it now, today. For what is your life? What is it? It is even a vapor. So James understood how fast the days go by in his life realizing that it was finite. See, when you're young, you think, oh, I got the, my whole life in front of me. I don't have to get to anything. Not, nothing's urgent. I can sleep in until 2 o'clock. I used to love those days. Even if I tried to now, I couldn't. But see, you don't have anything to do. But when you get older, you realize, man, I better get busy. I don't want to waste a moment. What is life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live. In other words, live your life. Don't waste it. Now when is life lived? Is it lived yesterday? Is it lived in the future? No, it's lived today. And do this or that, but now you rejoice in your boastings, all such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knows to do good, in other words, procrastination, waiting till tomorrow to do something, if you know to do good and you don't do it, it's a sin. In other words, when I read this, 
I see a God who wants me to live my life fully, to take advantage of the moments of the day, to seize the day. Don't wait. If there's something that you know you should be doing, if there's some good to do, do it. Seize on those opportunities. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, we're told, fight the good fight of faith. Paul was telling Timothy, fight the good fight. Lay hold on eternal salvation. Lay hold on eternal life. Seize it. Capture it. Put your arms around it and grab it. Whereunto you are so also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Verse 19, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold, again, lay hold on eternal life. Turn with me over to Ephesians chapter 5. Because Jesus wants us to take action, brethren. He wants us to be doers. He doesn't want us to waste our time. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. There it is. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14. It says, Wherefore, he says, awake. Wake up. See, I think when we get into these routines, and we're just going through our routines and going through the motions, it's kind of like we're a robot almost. We just keep doing this work, we're going through the motions. Are we even awake? Are we living our lives to the fullest? Here the Apostle Paul tells us, Wherefore, he says, Awake you that sleep, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See then that you walk. Motion, movement, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. And this word redeeming is a Greek word. Exagorazo. It means to rescue or to redeem or even to, to uh, ransom. In other words, almost like the day can be stolen away from us. The time can be stolen from us. We have to actively grab onto it and seize it. To redeem the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord. Again, some insight now of what we should be doing to redeem the time. How we should be seizing our days making the best of them, understanding what the will of the Lord is. It's one thing. Be not drunk. I think of the fact that on the ballot this year for the state of Ohio is going to be marijuana. Look, I don't know. I mean, I don't want the government in our lives, but, you know, there's people that just want to get high all the time. I, mean, I can't think of a better way to waste a day <laughs> God tells us right here in Scripture, don't be drunk. Don't do that. Be sober. Have your mind about you so you can take advantage of the day and live your life. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with God's Spirit. That's life. I mean, God is life, isn't He? 
He gave us life. How much more alive are we going to be if we're filled with God's Holy Spirit? Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart, being happy. Even in spite of the trials that we run into. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks, being grateful. Always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves to one another. Not being selfish, submitting yourself to yourself, but to each other, serving each other in the fear of God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, I'll just read it, says that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. How can we be fruitful if we let these days just slip slip by us? We are told, brethren, that we are to make use of the time God gives us, to look at every day as a precious gift. Now I have something here, I think it's kind of interesting, maybe some of you can relate to this, maybe some can't, but it's an article I got, it's titled, Ten Surefire Steps to Waste an Entire Day. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and read through some of this because I thought it was pretty funny, and I'm, I'm sure nobody in here can relate to this, I'm sure. So this is actually a person that starts off saying, if you have a job, this isn't for you, but if you don't have a job, hey, here's, here's what I do to waste a day. Number one, don't shower until 11 a.m. I think of sleeping in, like I said, when you're young. Boy, how great is that? I remember sometimes waking up at 1, 2 in the afternoon. So the first thing you can do to waste a day, sleep in and stay in your pajamas. Number two, definitely do not go to the gym. Don't go on a hike. Don't go on a walk. Definitely don't want to do that if you want to waste your day. Do watch TV. Especially if you've got some old things that you want to see on your DVR. Maybe it's an old episode of, uh, you know, I don't know, what's your favorite TV show? The Big Bang Theory, if you're a nerd like me, and maybe you want to watch some of that. So catch up on all those old shows. Do watch TV if you want to waste your day. Wait a second. Did you take a selfie yet? (laughs) Maybe someone wants to know, see me watching TV. Take a selfie, watching TV, catching up on old episodes. Now i got to go post it on the internet. All right, here we go, Facebook. If you want to waste your day, make sure you get on Facebook. Check out what everybody is doing, all of everyone else's selfies that they're posting. Stay up up to date, maybe post another few things on Facebook. Check your Twitter account. Check some of the the blogs and posts that you're on. Next, you need to eat. But don't spend too much time cooking anything healthy. Just go grab something out of the cupboard. Number eight. Now that you've eaten, go to Starbucks. Bring your laptop with you because you might want to check some more things out on Facebook in case things have... uh, been updated since you got to Starbucks. Now it's 6 o'clock in the afternoon and you figure, well, maybe I should do something productive today. 
So try to get on the internet, maybe check some emails, delete a few emails, do some work. After that, time for dinner, time to eat again, and you might as well open up a bottle of wine and celebrate because you earned it. <laughs> so that's the article. Ten ways to make sure you can waste a day. Now I'm sure none of us can ever relate to that. And now I know there are times when we need some downtime, and we actually do need to waste a day. So if you ever need that, there it is. There's a recipe. But see, the thing is, sometimes that becomes a habit. Sometimes that becomes what we want to do. And if that's our life, if that's how we're spending our life, I'm going to ask, are we doing what Jesus told us to do and the Apostle Paul told us to do as Christians? Are we being productive? Are we seizing the day? I mean, that's kind of unjust, but there's seriousness to it. How much time do you spend, if you were to take an inventory of a week of, your, of all of your activities, and you wrote down everything you're doing, and you wrote next to everything, was this productive as a Christian? How much of your week, what percentage of your week would be considered kind of in line with what I just read? I know I've got work to do. I've got a lot of work to do to, to really make my days more productive, to seize that day, to carpe diem. Here are some other things that we can do, if I think of some other things to make sure that we waste our time, waste our days. First off, be pessimistic. You know, like the, the glass half empty. You always see the glass half empty. If you're an engineer, you always think that the glass is twice as big as it needs to be. Not many people got that one. But be pessimistic. Be negative. If you want to waste a day. Stress. Worry. Especially those things in the future that you really don't have any control of. And You know, sometimes we start making things up. Start thinking about so-and-so. And, you know, if, if, one, if that person's probably going to do this, and if they do that, then I'm going to be really mad. And you start working yourself all up and getting into a negative attitude for something that didn't even happen. So if you want to waste your day, be negative and worry. Be lazy. Put it off, procrastinate, don't get to it. Drink. Smoke marijuana if you want to waste your day. Don't be grateful. Be unthankful. Want more. Don't be content. Be self-absorbed. Only worry about what you want to do. If you want to waste your day, if you think about it, what it really means to waste your day, you string multiple of those days together, and before you know it, you're wasting your life. If you want to waste your life, do these things. Now, we as Christians, obviously, don't want that for anybody. We want everybody to live life to the fullest. See, there's three things that we can do, brethren, to make sure that we don't fall into those traps. 
And I'm going to go through a few of these. There's three steps. First step is to make sure that you have a purpose. I think of sometimes people that might retire. Maybe some people who had big life changes. Maybe you lost a loved one. Sometimes it's hard to find your purpose again, that reason to get up every morning. Maybe it's, without that, it's hard to get up. You start sleeping until 11, staying in your pajamas. You waste your days. Don't do that. One of the first things you want to do, brethren, if you want to make sure you make valuable use of your time, is you have to reestablish the purpose in your life. Purpose. Live with purpose, with meaning. Turn with me over to Philippians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul certainly lived his life with purpose. In fact, if you look at what the Apostle Paul went through, when he starts going through that litany of trials, when he almost drowned, when he was beaten up, you look at his journeys, you look at how he was driven in his life, Every single day, you realize that the Apostle Paul clearly had purpose that was motivating his actions. We can get some insight into what Paul's purpose is here in Philippians chapter 3. We'll break into the text of verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. So the things that most people would think are gain... Maybe um, accolades or praise from other men. What Paul's saying is it didn't mean anything. It was loss for Christ. He put his focus on Christ. Yea, doubtless, and, all count, and, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. In other words, if, if those things got in the way of his walk and mission with Christ, it was loss. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them dung, waste, nothing. All of those things that most people pursue in their lives, if those get in the way of the mission that you have as a Christian, it's worthless. You might as well look at it as waste then i may win that i may win christ verse 9 and be found in him so this is his mission to be found in christ not having my own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of christ the righteousness which is of god by faith that i may know him you want to know what paul's mission is the purpose of his life is it's right here that i may know christ and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. In other words, Paul is saying that he wants his life to be as conformed to Jesus Christ's life as it can be. Inward and outwardly. That was his mission. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And he had clearly in his sights the kingdom of God. His destiny to be born and resurrected as a spiritual being. 
never lost sight of that. Not as though I had already attained it. So, you know, this whole one saved, always saved thing, I think the scripture, Paul would take issue. Not as if he already has it. See, he knew that he had not already attained it because he was still physical. Knowing that motivated him to get up in the morning and to do the work. This was his purpose. It was motivating. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. But I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which I also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. See, this mission motivated him, kept him going. What is your purpose? Have you defined it? Have you really reflected on it? When we meditate, what do we meditate on? Oh, how beautiful the tree is? I mean, that's good because it is God's creation, but meditating on your purpose, God's purpose for you. If you are sitting in this room and God, through a miracle, has opened up your mind to the truth, we know that God opens up minds. That's evidence that he called you into this fellowship for a reason, a purpose. Are you fulfilling that purpose while you're here? What is your purpose? There is one. It may not have to be so nuanced. Look at Paul's. Focus on the resurrection and focus on conforming your life to Christ. Make that your goal. You can't go wrong. You'll be a blessing and a light to others and you'll be on your path toward achieving your destiny. A few more scriptures to read. 1 Peter chapter 2.21, you can write them down and look at them up later. For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. What a great purpose to become more like Christ in your life. John chapter 13, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Paul said, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Turn with me over to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So when I read that scripture, I don't see a bunch of watching old reruns on, on my DVR as fulfilling that scripture. I see service. I see sacrifice. Service and sacrifice. Doing getting to work, and be not conformed to this world. See, Satan wants us to waste our time. Satan would like nothing more than for good people of this world, God's people, to be consumed with wasting time while he goes and destroys humankind. And God says what about his mission? He will raise up rocks if he needs to. 
What a shame if God's people, who he's called into the truth, aren't going to step up, seize the moment, and execute his mission. Do the work where he has to raise up rocks to do it. Now, I'm not going to try to say who God's people are, because I don't know. I don't know. I believe if you're keeping the Sabbath, that's a good sign, because it says it's a sign between him and his people forever. But I don't think that's a requirement. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some people don't, don't know yet. But God's using them. I think of this woman in North Carolina. I think it's North Carolina. Or no, in Kentucky. Who went to jail. Now, right or wrong, I mean, I, I know there are some scriptures that say we have to follow the laws. All laws come from God, and he allows them to happen for a reason. But her conscience was that she didn't want to have her name on those marriage certificates. And she stood in the gap. She stood for it. There was an opportunity for her to seize the moment, and she did, and what a witness her actions were and are. Whether you agree with them or not, there's certainly a witness going abroad. So when these moments happen to you, how are you going to react? We're told that we're to stand out from the world. Stand out. That's tough to do because we're always trying to conform. Standing out puts us at risk, doesn't it? And if we just conform, nobody notices us, everyone's going to leave us alone, let us kind of do our thing, be able to live our life. I would say, brethren, that that's not seizing the day. And Jesus Christ doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to be lights and to stand out from the world. So step one is to find your purpose, to establish it. Think about it. Let it motivate you every morning when you wake up. Live your life with purpose. Step number two, don't live in the past. I think of that show, Married with Children. Everyone, anyone ever see that show, Married with Children, where Al Bundy kept going back to the past and talking about how he was a high school football star? Glory days. See, sometimes we think living in the past, we live in the past with the things we did wrong, but it's just as bad to live in the past with our glory days, too. Let it go. It's done. It's over. The past is gone. You can learn from it so you don't make new mistakes moving forward, but you got to let go. Look over here in Luke chapter 9. Jesus told us this example. Luke chapter 9. He wants us to understand that he does not want us living in the past. Life is happening to us right now. Luke chapter 9, verse 62. This was after he had told the disciples to let the dead bury the dead, and they didn't understand what he meant. He says in verse 62, And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. A 
Why don't we go back to verse uh, 59. We'll start there. We'll read, read the whole section. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. So there was a choice this person had. Jesus told him, follow me. And he says, yeah, I'll follow you. I'll follow you tomorrow, the next day. I've got to go bury my father first. Now here's an opportunity, very God in heaven on earth, telling his person, follow me. Now if you think about it, all of you, and maybe this is uncomfortable, but all of you that are here that aren't baptized yet, who are procrastinating making that decision, and you know it's the right decision, can you put yourself into this story? Follow me. Well, wait a second, I got some really good stuff I got to do. I got to go bury my father. Now, who would argue that that's not a good thing to do. Of course, respecting the family, respecting your father, go to bury your father, mourn. But what does Jesus say here? Let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. In other words, what matters now is that you follow me. Get busy with your mission in life. Your father is secure in the grave. Don't worry, I got him. I got him. I'll take care of him. Get busy. And then he says here, Lord, or another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me go first bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Another example. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow in other words, saying he's going to get busy with a mission, looking back, is fit for the kingdom. Those could be harsh words if you think about it. Fit for the kingdom. You're not fit if that's what you're going to do. Why? Because God expects us to actually get stuff done. This isn't just about us checking some boxes and, okay, we're here, work is done. When we get here, work starts. Work starts. And if we don't get busy doing God's work, we're not fit for it. And he'll find someone else to start doing it. Try to drive home today looking in the rearview mirror the whole time. See how, that, how far that gets you. So Jesus does not want us looking back in the past. You can read in Genesis chapter 9, I think another example of, or 19, remember Lot's wife. She was turned to stone. God told them, Lot and his wife, when you get out of Sodom, don't look back. What did she do? She was curious. She looked back. The lesson is, we make mistakes. The next day, that's in the past. Don't dwell on it. Don't stress on it. Look forward. How are you going to live your life today?
Turn with me over to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. I know this is Bill's favorite verse, or one of his favorite verses. It has a big impact on me as well. When I think of opportunities that come up in my life, and I let them pass by, I feel guilty because this verse convicts me. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Talking about seizing on the opportunities that God has before us. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So, a scripture about not drawing back or not letting opportunities slip by. Turn with me now over to Philippians chapter 3. Going back to the Apostle Paul, we talked about what motivates him. This is now shifting into the third thing we can do to seize the day. So we said, first, make sure you understand your purpose in life and reinvigorate that purpose every day. Number two, let the past go. Don't dwell on it. If you've sinned, repent and then move on. God says he forgets your sins. We should forget them too. Be washed clean. Start every day new. Don't dwell on the past. Number three, we'll get some insight here in Philippians chapter 3, verse 11. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, and that's something we want to make sure we're thinking about, right? If by any means we want to attain unto the resurrection of the dead, put ourselves in here, Paul says, not as though I had already attained, we already read this, either we're already perfect, but I follow after. I think I already read it, but we'll read it again because it's, it's uh, pertinent. So he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So forget what's behind, focus on your mission, focus on where you're going with that purpose, and reach forth to them. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Number three, brethren, is to face into the present. Live today. Let us therefore, verse 15, as many as be perfect be thus minded, and if anything be yet otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto them. In other words, we need to be focusing on living for the future. James chapter 1, verse 22 says that we're to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Take action. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil, of the, evil thereof. In other words, Right before you is what you need to deal with. If you really think about it, brethren, what is life? Life is right now. It's this moment. And we have choices every moment of how we're going to spend this precious time God gives us. We can actually shape the future by the decisions we make today. Live today. 
is what Jesus is telling us. All right, so here are some examples of ways to make the most of your day. As I said, define your purpose. Practically, when you meditate and you think about your purpose, write it down. When you write things down, they become more real to you. Write it down in your day planner, somewhere where you're going to see it every day. Write it down and put it on your wall. Make it your password that you log into your computer with. I use that. I use acronyms to, as my security. And the acronyms I, I use are, well, maybe I'm not going to say this on the video. <laughs> I will try and guess what my favorite scripture is. Some way, remind yourself every day of what your purpose is that day. And be mindful of it. Write it down. Decide how you want to be. I think people don't understand that every, every moment is a choice. I want everybody to do something for me. Everybody right now frown. I mean, really, I'm serious, frown. Frown, Michael. Oh, that Michael, too. Sorry. Michael, my, right behind you. <laughs> okay. Now everybody smile. Can you feel the difference? When you frowned, did you actually feel bad? If you force yourself to frown, I feel it. I feel bad. Even if I for even if it's if I just force myself to do it, if I force myself to smile, feels better, doesn't it? Feels better. When you laugh, that feels great. Well, today is life. This moment is life. How do you want to feel? See, if you smile almost all the time, you think you're going to have a rotten life? Probably not. You'll probably have a pretty happy life. And it's a choice. You can do it. I have a quote here from Groucho Marx. He says, I, I, not events. Groucho Marx said, I have the power to make me happy or unhappy today. I can choose which it shall be. Yesterday's dead. Tomorrow hasn't arrived yet. I have just one day. And I'm going to be happy in it. I'm going to be happy. See, the, there's so much profound truth in that, brethren. It's a cliche, you never know, we could get hit by a bus tomorrow, but hey, there's airliners falling out of the sky and disappearing, isn't there? There's car accidents that happen every day. 
You never know what tomorrow is going to bring, so really all we have is today. We're all here together, in church, together right now. What's this going to be like? What's our fellowship going to be like? What are you going to do when you get home, and are you going to be smiling, or are you going to be frowning? It's your choice. How do you want to live your life? Now, there's things that happen, and sometimes we need to mourn. Sometimes we need to frown. But if those days start going day after day after day and become routine, guess what? Are we seizing the day? Jesus wants us to be joyful. There's scripture after scripture where Jesus says, I want your joy to be full. We're commanded to be joyful. We're commanded to have a positive attitude. See, positive attitudes and smiles on your face is contagious. When I'm smiling, it's hard for you not to smile. It worked. Wouldn't it be a better world if everybody just smiled all the time? It's hard to be mean to someone if you're smiling all the time and they're smiling back at you. My dad told me one time, you can say almost anything to anybody as long as you got a smile on your face. I'm not going to say it. But you can, because it, it disarms people. We're told that as much as everything that lies within us to live peaceably with all men. What's the best way to do that? To be friendly and happy? Like Groucho Marx? It's your choice. Smile. Be productive. Don't sleep until 2 in the afternoon. Get up, get dressed, take a shower, get busy doing your mission, whatever it is. Even if it's something little. What if it's just writing a card to someone on our prayer list? Get up and do it. Be passionate. We're told in Revelation not to be lukewarm like the Laodiceans, but to have passion. Be passionate. Be helpful, as James tells us. Pure religion and undefiled before God is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows. Now, we just read about Diana Bowman. I mean, she basically came right out and said, will someone come help me? Now, I'm not pointing any fingers because I got fingers, a lot of fingers pointing back at me. I'm busy. There's more that I'd like to do. How many of us are going to go visit? There's a great opportunity. Are we going to seize the day or are we going to just let it slip by? There are many others that need help and many other opportunities that arise every single day for us to seize upon as Christians to do God's work. Be loving. We're told that we are to have the love of Christ in us and that we're to love others, not as they love us, but as Christ loves us. A much higher bar. That's what God expects of us. Be doers. Be doers. 
Wake up early, exercise, eat right, stay healthy so you have energy to be doers, to be able to seize on those opportunities. Get up in the morning, take a shower, get dressed. Sometimes just getting dressed. I know there's times where if I want to work out, if I don't get my exercise, my workout stuff on, I'm not going to work out. Sometimes just putting my workout clothes on helps me to go work out. Now, I haven't been working out, so I'm, I'm, I'm a hypocrite. Like I said, a lot of times I do these messages because this is what I need. <laughs> get up, get dressed, work out. Make checklists. Make a to-do list. Go home, write down a few things that you want to do next week. And then when you wake up tomorrow, get busy doing them. Start doing them. Plan your week. Choose to just stay positive in everything you do. And most importantly, brethren, make time for God. Make time because God's spirit in you will give you the strength and the courage to be able to seize on every opportunity that you have in your life. There's some great examples of people, brethren, that have seized the day, seized on opportunities. I think of Joshua and Caleb, who seized the day when they were the only two spies that volunteered to go in, check out the promised land, and God blessed them for it. I think of Joseph, when Pharaoh said, hey, can someone interpret my dream? And he did. Some of us might be, ah, I don't want any trouble. I don't want to get involved. But leave me alone. I'm good. I'm happy. Moses seized the day when he saw that burning bush. I'm curious. Hey, let me go see what this is. Look where that led. Dave Rosenko Jr. seized the day when he asked Terry for her phone number. Now that's a big deal for me because I was always real shy growing up. I'm very glad I did that. And there's another time in my life where I seized the day when my first sergeant said, hey, there's an opening in embassy school. Let me know, to, know tomorrow if you want to go. The opportunity to go to one of 130 different countries. I have no idea if I'm going to be at some embassy in Ouagadougou, Africa. Let me know tomorrow. I went back, I thought about it. I said, hey, I joined the Marines to travel. All right, I'm doing it. Jump in. You never know where decisions are going to lead you, but I'll let, one thing's for sure, sitting there watching TV all day isn't going to lead you anywhere. Seize those opportunities in your life to grow. God tells us that he is molding and shaping us as a potter shapes a clay piece. What better way to mold and shape yourself than to, to take chances in your life and to get out there, get, a, get out of your pajamas and go live your life? Jesus certainly seized the day, didn't he? He fulfilled over 60 prophecies. Could you imagine what the world would be like if Jesus ended up spending all his time on Facebook or watching TV all day? Like, if you picture Jesus, can you picture him doing that? No. You picture him on a mission every day, getting up, getting busy. 
living life with purpose. And we're to model our lives after him. We're his workers, aren't we? We're his servants. Turn with me over to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, brethren. Jesus has a message for us. He wants us to understand something, brethren. He wants us to understand how precious every day we have is. John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes in the night for to steal. Think of this in context of stealing away your time or stealing away your life. The thief comes in, or comes not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that you may have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus wants us to have full, abundant lives. He wants us to have rich experiences so that those experiences can mold and shape us. In the kingdom, brethren, we're going to have a lot of work to do. We're going to have to develop our skills and we're going to have to be able to solve problems. We need to be using every moment that we have available to develop godly character and to do the work that God wants us to get done. God's given you this moment, brethren, this day. What a blessing it is that we woke up this morning and we're still alive. Isn't that a great blessing? Thank God. Take a deep breath. Jesus wants us to have abundant life. And he's given you this day, September 12th, 2015, this one unique day. How are you going to choose to live this day? Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow has not yet come. We have only today. Let us begin. That's a quote from Mother Teresa. Carpe diem, brethren. Seize the day.